an elderly woman was at the bank, and she was at the ATM machine, and uh, she was having some problems reading some of the letters and numbers and so on. So she uh, asked the young man behind her, and he said, uh, excuse me, son, could you help check my balance for me? So he pushed her over. That's a funny story. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think. That is funny. Some people need more explanation than others. Okay? It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. I'd like you to turn to the second book of Proverbs. It's in uh, the New Testament. It's called Matthew. See, Pastor Merrill, I fixed that problem. It's the book of Matthew, chapter 7. I was, uh, I was just impressed with the idea of, again, wisdom, as we're coming to the end of that. You may want to turn to your neighbor and say, I got smarter during this series, did you? Um, and maybe you did, maybe you didn't, doesn't matter. Uh, but Matthew, chapter 7, Jesus, at the end of this chapter, and uh, the neat thing about this chapter is it's nearly almost every verse is in red, so it's all the words of Jesus, which brings wisdom immediately to bear. But he says in the, uh, the latter part of it, he talks about wise and foolish. And I've, uh, I've titled this message, The Four Wisest Decisions Any Human Can Make. The Four Wisest Decisions. And they, they really come out of the fact that Jesus says, wise builders build on, on a rock, and foolish builders build on sand. And uh, the, so my four points, my four questions, come out of the word rock, R-O-C-K. You're welcome, Paul. And the, the failures of the unbelievers, there are four failures of those, the foolish people that build on sand, and those come out of the word sand. I got this covered all over the place. And it helps me remember things. But I want to start with the word sand. S-A-N-D. What are the four things that, that unbelievers, those that refuse to follow after Christ, those that live their lives in actual disagreement with God, they disagree with the Bible, they disagree with God, they disagree with all the principles of Scripture, and there are four foundational attitudes and issues that these unbelievers live in. And we see it every day. If you turn on the television, if you open a newspaper, if you look at a magazine, anywhere you go in media of any kind, Facebook, uh, the computer, internet, whatever, these four things seem to be popping up everywhere. And the number one thing is, is the letter S. It's selfishness. Selfishness is born out of disagreement. Because if, I, if two people are in a discussion and one of them is very selfish, who's always going to be right? The selfish person, automatically. Selfishness is just so, so self-centered. It's why it's called selfishness. It's very, very clever. Uh, but it's this, this idea that the world revolves around me. When I was in college, I took... Uh, I took some philosophy courses, and I discovered something about secular humanism. 
Secular humanism says that, that man is the highest that there is. There is no God. There is nothing higher than man. We are it. We are the ones. There's nothing greater, nothing higher. How depressing would that be? I'm it. You're it. Depending on the it. That's it. I mean, I, I'm going to live through this life. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to die, and that's the end of it. There's nothing beyond that. There's nothing greater than me. All of nature screams the fact that there's something much greater than me. I can't control the weather. I can't control much of anything. I'm just, I'm an associate pastor. I can't control anything. Gotcha. It's what I do. But I'm a little higher than the youth pastor, thank you, Jesus. So I, you know, that, that encourages me. That encourages me a little bit. But then, then they put me in charge of kids' ministry, which now back down a little bit below the, ki the children, the ki uh, youth, youth ministry. So I, I can't win. Selfishness. The letter A. Arrogance. Our world is driven with a spirit of arrogance and pride. Let me tell you something about pride. Pride is nothing more than a cover-up for insecurity. Prideful people are the most insecure people on the planet. How can I tell if someone's really got the goods? They're humble. One of the greatest, I believe, most humble men to ever step on the evangelistic scene is Billy Graham. He's never been in a scandal. He has been faithful to the Word of God. He has led thousands, yea, probably millions of people to Christ. His humility is absolutely stellar. If anyone had a reason to be proud, it could be Billy Graham. But he's not. Because he's real, he's a man of character. Pride is a sign of insecurity. If you're boasting about something, it's probably because you can't do it. I believe that. Arrogance. The letter N. No discipline. We live in a world where discipline is a bad word. Oh, don't discipline the children. Don't, you know, that's, that's too much pressure. Let them do whatever they want. Let them kind of be free spirits. Let them run whichever way they want to go. How many of you realize that that's not smart? The Bible does not say anywhere in Scripture, you know, just let them do whatever they want. They'll be fine. It'll be fine. No, it won't be fine. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from that. Discipline is a vital part of everything we, we function as Christians. Jesus disciplined his disciples. Let me tell you something about discipline. We're going to talk about it a little bit later again, but discipline looks always to the future. Punishment always looks to the past. You can't, how many of you ever tried to punish your kids for what they were going to do? I think my mom used to do that. <laughs> my mother, I think I've told you this before, God rest her soul, what an awesome lady. I, I am who I am today, much because of my mom and dad. 
But she, I'm, she used to wear an apron, and that apron had a pocket, and in that pocket she would carry a wooden spoon. She was always armed and ready. <laughs> so it never mattered. Discipline, you know, if there was something going on, the issue of time out did not exist in our home. Mom, how about time out? I don't even know what that is. Come here. And I discovered something about discipline, that discipline brings me to a place of agreement. No discipline keeps me in a land of disagreement. So when I would agree with my mom, the spoon stayed holstered. It was always there. I mean, we just knew it. It, was, it stayed there if I was in agreement. But if I was in disagreement with her, if I disagreed with her and made that, made that obvious, the spoon would come out and it would help me understand the power and importance of agreement. And so I would, I would have a little bit of fellowship time with that wooden spoon. And I would realize, you know what? Agreement is not near as painful as disagreement. I'm going to lean towards agreement. Seems like it works better. But discipline, it, it moves people. And the, the neat thing about discipline is because discipline is driven by purpose. People with no purpose really struggle with discipline. They want to be free to do their thing. Well, what is your thing? I don't know. Well, you need to find out what your thing is. I don't know how to do that either. As an administrator of a Christian school, it used to drive me nuts when I would sit down with the juniors and seniors, and I'd say, what are your plans for graduation? I don't know. What would you like to do? I don't know. What are you good at? I don't know. Do you realize that those were the kids that I had the most problems with? They were the most undisciplined? They were the most difficult to deal with. Discipline is such a powerful force, and the enemy understands that, and that's why we struggle with that in our public schools. We struggle with that in our societies. Nobody wants to come under discipline. They just want to do their own thing, and they don't even know what that is. That's ridiculous. But it's part of the sand the sand. And then finally, the last letter is D. Disrespect. Disrespect. The lack of value for others, for other, prop, other people's property. Disrespect. This is the driving force of Satan. I believe it. He disrespected God. He disrespects Christ. He disrespects you as a person. He doesn't care about you. You mean nothing to him. You are simply another, just an obstacle to get to his ultimate purpose, to ultimately disrespect God. To make God look like a failure. Well, I have great news. Ain't going to happen. Rest assured, God is not nervous about the enemy. He is not nervous about that at all. But that's the sand. That's what foolish people build on. They build on selfishness, arrogance, no discipline, and disrespect. 
And as a result, Jesus said that those that build on that, when the storms of life come in, there's a crash in their life. Suicide, depression, drug addiction, alcoholism, all of these are part of the crash, the crash of life. And the enemy stands back and laughs and thinks that's a really cool, that's a great way to live, folks, sand. Sand has no character of its own. Sand takes on the shape of wherever it is, whatever vessel it's near or in. The wind can blow sand. You ever been to the dunes or, or the beach? You realize that that sand is never in the same place? Ever? Any little wind moves it. It just moves all over the place. It has no substance, it has no character, has no stability whatsoever. But Jesus said, the wise man, he builds on the rock. How many want to be rock stars today? Yeah, baby. Rock stars. Well, let's get into this. The R, the letter R, quickly. It's to receive Christ and his word. Look at verse number 7 in chapter 7. Let's read this. Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. The first step towards building on solid foundation is you have to receive Christ. There is no other option. You see, Jesus identified it as either you are either wise and build on a rock, or you're foolish and build on the sand. There's no undecided section. When this, is, when this world comes to an end, there will be those that have live their lives in agreement with God. I'm not talking about perfection, I'm talking about agreement. Okay? There's a big difference. Because all of us, all of us, if you've accepted Christ and you're a Christian, there have been moments when you have slipped and fallen and you've come out of this, you've, you know, even though I disagreed with my mom, I still was still her son. She didn't throw me out of the house. Hallelujah. But I understood the power of agreement. But if, when you receive Christ and you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you have entered into an agreement with God that is so powerful. And in that agreement is the power of life. Because you entered into connection with the very creator of this world. You're not in agreement with some, you know, just some person. You are in agreement with the very creator of the universe and his son Jesus Christ and the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. You build on that foundation. You enter into that relationship, and you will discover amazing power. If you decide that sand is the way you want to go, you will find yourself in weakness and depression and, and, and horrible, horrible, horrible situations of life. Receive Christ, number one. Enter into agreement. Number two, the letter O. We must overcome selfishness. Look at verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. 
With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is, what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet, then turn and tear you to pieces. Overcome selfishness. How many of you just realize that selfishness is a problem? Anybody here struggle with selfishness? Two or three of you, that's good. Wow, it's like a perfect church. It's awesome. Selfishness. It's about me. I drive uh, I-90, construction row, every morning from Huntley here to Mount Prospect. And everybody wants to be first. You know, when you're merging into traffic, I'm not going to sit there and wait for everybody to pass by. I'm getting in there. You know, spread out or die. Move over or, or, die, or perish. Why? Because I have to get to church. Do you have any idea how important I am? Do you know where I have to be? And if I'm playing golf, it becomes even more important. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry, that was Stephen. My mistake. Um, I, I, it's, I need to get there. I, you know, I need to get there. How many of you have gone into a store, discovered there are lines everywhere, and you think, oh my, this is going to take forever. And then you think, oh, you know, how can I, how can I cut into, which line can I sneak into and get, this, get out of here quicker? Don't they understand what I'm, I have to do? The time that I have, you know, I, what's going on? I got to go. I got to get out of here. Selfishness is a challenge every day. Paul said he had to crucify himself daily. Why? Because of selfishness. That's the bottom line issue. You overcome that, and you are moving into Christ-likeness real fast. Selfishness. The letter C. Commit to love and hope, honor and obedience. Turn to verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and, he, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. A commitment to wisdom, a commitment to love, to honor, to obey, it's what, it's what distinguishes us from the rest of the world. The rest of the world, again, they're committed to selfishness, arrogance, no discipline, and finally disrespect. But as Christians, to love someone is to desire the very best for that individual. Lust is to desire the very best for myself. 
That's the difference. What are you committed to? If you notice something about this last few verses, the same storms come to both people. There's nothing in the Bible that says, if you accept Christ, your life will become absolutely perfect. People will give you houses and cars. They will hand you money. Just become a Christian and it will be awesome. Wrong answer. Become a Christian and it's going to become even more difficult. Because now you've got a target on you and the enemy doesn't like you at all. But a commitment to love and honor is huge. The last letter is K. To know the power of discipline. I come back to that word. Turn back to verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the road, which leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Discipline. Discipline is an awesome thing. I've discovered something about kids. I tried this one time. I, kids all came around me, and I said, Kids, today we're playing a game. What's the name of it? Free for all. Well, how do you play the game? You just play. Well, what? Then they asked me a very important question. What are the rules? Oh, kids, there are no rules. Just play. Then I discovered something even more fascinating. One of the kids who was the leader type stepped up and said, Pastor Fred's crazy. So we're going to play this game. They immediately established captains, rules, the name of the game, and they played. Kids need rules. People need rules. This is the best rule book on the planet. You know why? Because it's the truth. It's the truth. I'd rather play by the rules that are true than somebody's made-up rules. I don't have any idea how to play with the rules of evolution. I don't get that. I don't understand that. You know, my wife wants me to build something. I go out in the yard and I start throwing wood in the air. It never comes down the way I want it. I don't get it. Ridiculous. But to know the power of discipline, to understand that. There are some amazing people out there they're called missionaries, and they are the rock stars. Here's what it looks like when a man that's living on the rock that understands these four principles, here's how God assists him at times. Listen to this story. A missionary was serving as a medic at a small field hospital in Africa. Periodically, he had to travel by bicycle through the jungle to a nearby city for supplies. It was a two-day trip, so he had to camp out overnight. He had made, his, made this trip several times without incident. One day, however, he arrived at his destination, saw two men fighting. One was seriously hurt, so he treated him, witnessed to him, and went about his business. Upon arriving in the city again several weeks later, he was approached by the man he had treated earlier. I know you carry money and medicine, said the man to the missionary. Some friends and I followed you into the jungle the night you treated me, knowing you would camp overnight. We waited 
for you to go to sleep and plan to kill you and take your money and drugs. Just as we started moving into the campsite, we saw you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. There were only six of us, and we, know, we knew then we couldn't possibly get near you, so we left. Hearing this, the missionary laughed and said, that's impossible, I can assure you I was alone at the campsite. The young man pressed the point, no sir, I was not the only one to see the guards. My friend saw them, we counted them. We were frightened, it was because of those guards we left you alone. Several months later, the missionary attended a church presentation in Michigan where he told about his experiences in Africa. One of the congregants jumped to his feet, interrupting the missionary and said something that left everyone in the church stunned. We were there with you in the spirit, said the man. The missionary looked perplexed. The man continued, on that night in Africa, it was morning here. I stopped at the church to gather some materials for an out-of-town trip to another church. But as I put my bags into the trunk, I felt the Lord leading me to pray for you. The urging was so great, I called the men in the church together to pray for you. Then the man turned around and said, Will all of those men who met with the Lord that morning please stand? One by one they stood, all 26 of them. Every so often God just shows off. He loves us that much, cares about us that much. I close with a little song, old hymn, that kind of, kind of puts this all into kind of a perspective regarding how I, how I have come to approach life. It's called Until Then. My heart can sing when I pause to remember a heartache here is but a stepping stone along a trail that's winding always upward. This troubled world is not my final home, but until then my heart will go on singing. Until then with joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold my Savior. Until the day God calls me home. The things of earth will dim and lose their value if we recall they're borrowed for a while. And things of earth that cause the heart to tremble, remembered there, will only bring a smile. But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold the Savior. Until the day God calls us home. Amen. God bless you. What a good word this morning.